0: Why do people leave out cookies and milk for Santa Claus? Why do people decorate trees in their homes? And why do we kiss on New Year's? We'll get to all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. So it's the day after Christmas, it's the last day of Hanukkah, and we are six days away from 2023. The holidays aren't over just yet, and we are going to stretch this holiday season out as long as possible. Because this time of year is a haven for so many wonderful traditions. Whether it's leaving cookies for Santa, decorating the Christmas tree, cooking up a traditional holiday dish, or sharing a kiss when the clock strikes 12 on New Year's Eve, there are plenty of reasons to celebrate. With all of these iconic traditions underway, I've decided while we're on a holiday break, why not review a lesson with anthropologist and astronomer Anthony Aveni on the origins of mainstream holiday traditions. All right, and Anthony joins me now. Anthony, first of all, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, thank you. and thank you for joining.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: How do you know so much about holiday traditions?
1: Well, I'm old, and I've been around, <laughs> and I've written a lot. <laughs> there you but as go. As we say, uh, in fact, this is a good way to start off, the the famous cliche, at the end of the day, I am so tired of hearing that cliche, but, you know, it's relevant because what does that really mean? The end of the day? Well, it means we've got to get ready for whatever's tomorrow, whatever's going to happen next. And that's what the end of the year and Christmas and these holidays are all about.
0: You know, it's so funny that you bring that up because I don't know if you listen to other podcasts on this network, but uh, we have a podcast called Top Five. And Trey Gowdy just said that they did like phrases that need to be retired. And he said at the end of the day makes his skin crawl. So I think you're with Trey on that one.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's, uh, it's very relevant because that's it's a summation, isn't it? With yeah. At the end of the before I go to bed at night, I, I well, what am I going to what am I going to do tomorrow? I have to sum up everything. And of course, the, the, the day is like the week is like the month is like the year. These are cycles of time that go round and round. And my interest in it as trained as an astronomer uh, came in uh, in the uh, trying to understand where cultures all around the world, uh, you know, make use of time. And, uh, and of course, that involves the stars and the sun and the moon, especially mm. the sun.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it, completely um, So I guess that's a good place to start then When you talk about different cultures around the world Every culture kind of celebrates Christmas in a different way So can you just start by telling me what is the origin of Christmas? Of course Jesus was born and we talk about that But but Christmas kind of came later
1: Yeah, I mean the Romans uh, preceded it They had a, the, the day uh, called the Dies Sol Natalis which translated from latin means the day of the unconquerable sun and what is it that we all need at this time of year but light mm. so christmas is really all about light uh, we see the sun going lower and lower in the sky at noon darkness overtakes daylight uh, and that more and more of it i watched the sun set at 4 30 from my window last night <laughs> and what do you need but light uh, and so uh, uh, we pray for light we need light Uh, And the Romans believed that that sun, if they prayed to it, the sun god Apollo, and made offerings to Apollo, he would turn around and come back into our atmosphere, into our hemisphere. And the Christians adopted that notion, replacing the bringer of light with Christ. Of course, Christ is the bearer of light in the Christian tradition. And we pray to him at this time of year, which we relate, at least those who are Christians, to his day of birth. Actually, uh, if you read Josephus, the historian pretty good evidence that uh, Jesus was born in the month of August. Um, (laughs) Jesus as Christ is the bringer of light. Uh, And this is a a habit that exists all the way around the world. Imagine the Eskimos of the far north, what we call the the Inuit people of northern uh, Canada, uh, who really suffer in the winter when the sun goes away for, well, days, sometimes weeks, even months, depending on how far far north you are. They celebrate by... uh, praying to their gods of light, and uh, they even get rather lightheaded. Uh, In fact, they talk about drinking themselves until they get legless. I love that term, (laughs) legless
0: legless. I think that people do that nowadays, um, on a Friday night, they, they drink themselves yeah. to legless, but this is, this is for a much better reason for sure.
1: Yeah. But you see, you said Friday night and that's perfect because that's the end of the week. There we go. At the End of the week. What do you do? Well, you allow yourself in that timeless transition, you know, that we call the weekend into the next week where we anticipate that we're going to do a heck of a lot better. We allow ourselves to behave a little bit different from normal. Uh, we, we, uh, We maybe eat and drink a little bit to excess, maybe get legless. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a tradition that, uh, you know, if you've got it, flaunt it. And I think that the truth of it is is that the poorer you are, the more you're going to flaunt it. I'm fascinated by the brightest of all the Christmas lights I see in my neighborhood, which is not a, a high, super high class neighborhood. And it's the people who have the lowest income who put on the biggest decorations. And I wager you that if I were invited to dinner in one of their houses, I'd get the biggest meal too. you flaunt it at this time of year. You behave abnormally. You just go all out.
0: Isn't it fascinating that sometimes the people with the lowest income have the highest spirit?
1: Yeah, it sure is, isn't it? And uh, maybe you appreciate it more when you do stick it out like that. Um, But... uh, It's also a time when, uh, as I say, you're you're behaving abnormally. Uh, President Jefferson opened the White House to the public. Everybody came into the White House, anybody who wanted to. Can you imagine doing that today? Uh, Another deviation from normal is the office party, which used to be pretty notorious. Uh, It's a place where everybody would come down to the same level. Where I teach here in the university, there's a party that's held by the president every year for everyone. Faculty, staff, students, everybody gets together. We're all on the same level. And of course, that's only temporary because we soon go back to the hierarchy as when vacation is over and the new year starts.
0: I love that. I never thought about it that way. I mean, holiday parties have historically been, yeah, we, we get to hang out with everyone. It's kind of rare because everyone has such different work schedules, especially when you work in TV. You know, someone might host a show at three in the morning and someone might host one at 10 p.m. Um, and then you get to get together. But but in terms of rank, um, when you talk about in office rank, it's kind of nice that everyone can just be on the same level. Like you said, I, I yeah, I'm that. sitting
1: next. I'm sitting next to the boss. Uh, and then on the other side of the boss is the janitor, and we're all eating and drinking and partying, and yeah. uh, and I think social levelers, you know, are important to to recognize, that, you know, that we are all part of the same team. In effect, uh, so it, it's kind of interesting. They 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 just bring us all to the same level for at least momentarily.
0: Right. We kind of wish that that could just. Be the case in real life too, um, outside of the holidays. But we'll look, we talk about people having a lot of spirit around Christmas time. Someone who brings a lot of that spirit is Santa Claus. So, what's the story there?
1: Well, you know, there that that the Saint Nicholas and and the gift giving that comes with it is all a relatively recent. Uh, a phenomenon uh, the 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 idea of giving gifts uh, uh, became attached to our capitalistic tendencies during the industrial revolution i don't want to get too highfalutin historical on you here but uh look uh, get as highfalutin as you want <laughs> pardon me
0: you can do whatever you want we're here to listen yeah.
1: well the idea of gift giving is something that goes back uh you know when you really think about it what are you doing when you when you give a gift you're in the old days, you were giving a part of yourself. You were uh, uh, sacrificing a portion of yourself by giving up something dear to you. That's the idea of gift giving. It might be a verse that you wrote or flowers that you grew or I don't know, maybe a picture you painted. It wasn't something you went out and bought in the shopping center or online through Amazon. I think gift giving was a, um, a transaction, where the giver, in the spirit of reciprocity, also expected to play the role of receiver. Mm-hmm. And you know that famous uh, saying to give is better to give than receive. You expected to get something in return. And that really didn't change that that was like that all the way up to the industrial age when you started with the bringing of gifts and so on. I have a quote by Emerson in my book. He says it is a cold, lifeless business when you go to the shops to buy one, something that doesn't represent your life and talent. I think that's a great reminder to us all of what gift giving is is all about. That's an and excellent. And the gift giver is really a relatively recent. Uh, you know, you, I, I often think of him in connection with the the old new old year, uh, leaving and bringing in the baby new year. There was a ritual that used to be conducted in my my middle class family years ago, uh, where my uh, elder uncle would come in as the new year, uh, as the he'd come go out as the old year, and he'd go out on the doorstep and pick up. The little baby New Year, who was one of my uncles, he only weighed about 140 pounds soaking wet and bring the old man like Santa, the gift giver would bring in the new year. So there's a connection. I'm really talking about the end of the year and the beginning of the next year when we deal with Christmas.
0: Right. I, I, just to quickly touch on that idea of gift giving, um, so not, I have to give my my mom a, a shout out because, I and my dad, we, we were raised that, that the most important gift that you can give someone, one is your time, and two, um, you Beautiful. know, a homemade gift. Because you, a homemade gift takes time. And you know that someone was thoughtful enough to sit down and spend time making you a homemade card and thinking yeah. about what would they really like. Um, so I, I, I love the idea that that is, in a sense, being preserved when we kind of have fallen victim to, you know, the uh, capitalism of, you know, gift giving and all of that in, in today's world.
1: Good point. That's yeah. a good point. And I think I, I myself, While I'm a writer and I like to write my own words, but I always appreciate it when anybody, even it's a person who misspells words, will just write his or her own words to me rather than spending money on a Hallmark greeting card. Sorry Mm -hmm. if that's your sponsor.
0: (laughs) No, I do love Hallmark movies, though. So those bring me a lot of joy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, so a place to put these gifts is uh, under the tree, of course. Um, I actually did a special on Fox Nation about the origins of the Christmas tree, but I'm more curious to hear from you. Why do we bring trees into our house and throw lights and tacky ornaments on them?
1: Well, it's be- I think it's because, uh, Abby, it's the end of the year in the cold season. What do we anticipate? What do we wish for? What do we look for? What do we hope life. for? Uh, w- yes, light, <laughs> life, light light, more light and green, because I know when I look out my window, I see all that dreary looking brown stuff that in a few months it's going to be green again. And so we bring in the green. It's it's, I think it's related to May Day where we're bringing in the green, dancing around the Maypole and bringing in the green. But we're doing it a little bit early. And light, I mean, uh, uh, light is the centerpiece uh, of, of the whole thing. And that's why we light the tree. So we want the green. We want the light. Uh, we also make a lot of noise, I might mention, and uh, uh, with bells and drums and whistles. And what's that all about? It's to get rid of the evil spirits who might be around during this delicate, uh, tenuous period of transition. And then there are the fireworks that come with New Year's. Um, fire is all about purification. You have to purify yourself cleanse yourself before you start anew and we don't think so much about that uh, these days I mean we might go to church or synagogue or temple um, to pray but uh but you've got to be you've got to get cleanse out all the bad things that were in your system before you can go ahead with the and start all over but the, the tree is a part of that with the light and the green yeah and, but I'm so
0: I'm so glad that you brought up New Year's because I was wondering that it's all about the the sparklers and the fire and the fireworks, the noise, bells and whistles. Um, But then I was thinking about why do people kiss when the clock strikes
1: 12? Well, that's uh, that. There are so many. Uh, uh, myths. And when I say myth, I I don't say it's myth is not something waiting to be debunked by science. These are stories that have meaning in different cultures. Uh, And I think that the uh, idea of the New Year's kiss has a lot to do with that. Uh, We're going to going to show our sincerity to some people that are dearest to us. We're going to seal it with a kiss. Uh, It's a certain way of of safeguarding ourselves from all these bad things by ritually supporting one another. There's a ritual that goes with kissing that I've participated in in Mexico. Uh, uh, I did a lot of my work in Mexico studying the ancient Aztecs and the Mayas and their calendars. Um, On the eve of Christmas, when the 12 bells go off ringing in the new year, uh, you always kiss the person nearest to you and then... Um, as the, When the first ringing of the first bell goes off, you eat a grape. And when the second bell goes off, you eat another grape and a third one and a fourth one and a fifth one. Uh, and you've got to get all of these grapes through your system, uh, uh, at, at least through your mouth. Before the 12th bell goes off or else your kiss will not take effect and uh. your good luck will not come to pass. Oh, no, I have never got past six grapes. If you want to have <laughs> your your listeners try this sometime. You better get the small grapes, not those great big red ones. And and you better not get the ones that have seeds in. them. Oh, gosh, no, uh, because you're doomed to, to, to not have your good luck come through. <laughs> so these are all the little rituals that pertain to setting ourselves up for the. Next day or year at the end of the day or at the end of the year.
0: Really quickly, why why grapes?
1: I don't really know, except to say maybe it's that it usually was the crop. um, uh, Well, of course, it's something that you can fit in your mouth like you could be peanuts, I suppose. But I think in most of the cultures where this began, and I think it was in Spain where the ritual actually began, came over to Mexico. They grew a lot of grapes and they made a lot of wine, so they'd probably be eating a lot of grapes um why 12 is is the other question you know you've heard of the 12 days of of christmas Mm -hmm. and i think it's interesting how the this is what i think we timekeepers call the part of the whole philosophy part of the whole with w-h-o-l-e where how you behave in a short period of time will prognosticate or predict what will happen in the longer period of time so the 12 days of christmas are 12 bells signifying that the end of the day as well the 12 days the weather on each of the 12 days is said to to be a uh, prediction of the weather of the 12 months that will follow so day one after christmas will be Uh, the weather for January and February and so on. And it's interesting how the idea that what we do in the short run in this very delicate transition period uh, from ending to beginning will tell us what will happen to us in the future. And that's what we want to know most of all. Where are we headed? What's going to happen?
0: Right. Yeah, I know. And that's (laughs) we don't typically know the answer to that. And that's part of the excitement, I guess, of of the the magic. It's It's the the magic magic. of it, isn't it?
1: Completely.
0: We'll be right back after this. Back to Christmas. So we talked about Santa Claus, but then what about the reindeer and the North Pole and Rudolph? How did that well, all come Rudolph to Well, Rudolph is a
1: favorite of mine because Johnny Marks, uh, who wrote it, uh, is a Colgate graduate. And I taught oh, all of my years at Colgate University. And it was part of a campaign. I write about the details of this in my book. It was part of a sales campaign President Montgomery Ward, 1949, uh, worked in the ad department. And he was designed the task of creating an animal story to head a a promotional giveaway during the uh, Christmas season uh, sale campaign. And um, he wrote a storybook that was distributed in, uh, I guess it actually goes back to 1939. Uh, And then that item was resurrected in 1946 and went commercial in 47. And that's when Johnny Marks got the idea of writing the song. Um, But the real question for us is what made it so enduringly popular with children. And I think any kid who's got a little stigma, you know, maybe about not being good enough to play on the, the basketball team or something like that. Uh, would take heart because it's the theme of, uh, you know, uh, uh, the um, uh, the ugly duckling, I think you could say, the underdog, the kid who needs a break. And so here's a reindeer who's disadvantaged. He's got a big red nose. Uh, maybe he was red nose shamed by his <laughs> um, reindeer colleagues. Uh, and he ends up being the the hero by lighting the way at night. And that's my opinion as as to why Rudolph became so popular. But it all goes back to Montgomery Ward.
0: I love seeing that song during Christmas because it's uh, Christmas to me is all about just the the messages that we get because like Christmas movies, for instance, there's always some sort of good news at the end and good message that makes you feel nice at the end. Um, and Rudolph the red nose reindeer is a perfect example of a song that we sing that just makes you feel a lot better. Um, so that's one well, of my favorite well, too.
1: Yeah. Well, mine too. And, and, and don't we all need that? Don't we all need that? Uh, you know, at the end, of the year sometimes we look back at the some of the misfortune that we've had or who's who's had uh, um, an ailment or something of that sort or lost money or god help us was hit by the covid right, right. crisis and it's it's really a, a time when we need we need each other we need each other more than ever more than ever i think during these transition periods and um uh, we've got to safeguard each other. We've got to help each other during that transition period. That's maybe a good lesson to remember at, uh, in, in hard times when we maybe tend to disagree with each other more than we should.
0: Absolutely. Um, it, we can look to a lot of traditions for that, too. It's nice to ground yourself in traditions when you're struggling also. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. Something that I do in my family is we we don't only just leave cookies for santa we do the carrots um for the reindeer as well because rudolph puts in a lot of hard work on christmas eve christmas so (laughs) i've never heard of that yeah we put out the carrots and then of course the next morning the carrots are always bitten in half
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that, you got me on that. I've got to write that down. When I do my next edition of my book, I'll put that in you, there. Keep you your, absolutely your should.
0: That is what we do in the Hornacek <laughs> household because the animals put in just as much work. They're, they're, they're Isn't pulling accurate. Santa. Um, yeah. So why, why do we give Santa cookies?
1: Well, again, I think it's an exchange of, uh, of, uh, something special, a treat, uh, that we all uh, would like to share. And, um, uh, and again, uh, that goes beyond the norm because we don't always stuff ourselves with cookies, do we? And uh, uh, at this time of the year, we allow ourselves, we allow ourselves to indulge uh, yeah. and uh, maybe not get legless. But do you, uh, know,
0: do you know when that started, like when we started giving Santa cookies? Like, has that always been a thing?
1: Well, I know that's this, these are all c- contemporary, really 20th century ideas. Uh, Santa wasn't even very popular, as, as I say, until about the turn of the century. It was in the Victorian era. So it was sometime during that, probably the pre-World War I or in between the two wars. I'm not exactly sure mm. that that happened. But these are all very modern um, uh, connotations. We were more concerned with uh, uh, saning or safeguarding ourselves, you know, during these vulnerable um, transition periods. I have a wonderful story of... Um, the uh, a tradition that used to take place in um, well, in Scotland. Uh, and of course, we derive most of our uh, notions from um, uh, England and Scotland and the idea of the first footing. That's an interesting story to tell, because I think it would uh, Might some people might find it even in the modern age a little bit offensive. Uh, this would be when uh, you would um, call for it relates to the cookies, what you're calling for at the end of the year is some kind of a gift. And for poor people, it could be a hunk of bread or a silver coin, even a piece of coal that could be brought in. And there was this Scottish custom called first footing, first footing, uh, where the symbolic, let's say cookie in this case, would be carried in by a tall, dark and handsome man who strides into the into the domicile. And uh, of course, the we imagine the woman keeper of the house would desire most to have good luck brought to her household by being the first, uh, by seeing a handsome man being the first one to set foot in it at the at the beginning of the year. So uh, and I find this interesting, that first footer would come in the house and he would be required to make a three times round the kitchen table walk. In the sunwise position, he's imitating the movement of the sun, goes away and comes back. And he would say a rhyme while he gave her the cookie or the sweet treat. God send you plenty where you have a one pound note. I wish you have 20. Nice little poem. Oh, I love that. And the more demanding clients might require uh, food, uh, logs for the fireplace. And that's the Yule log, which is the lucky log that you save for the year to put in the fire at that time of transition. So I guess what I'm trying to suggest here is that all of these rituals of the Christmas tree and the cookies for Santa are, are much deeper they have much deeper meaning than than we might think.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, I did read somewhere um, that w- during the Great Depression, people started to to leave the treats for Santa just kind of to show gratitude during a time of struggle. I don't know if that's right or not, but it sounds good. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so. yeah, it is pretty much. I yeah, it, it, that would have been the, between the wars, sometime between the wars, and a lot of our customs, you know, that we we celebrate are derived from that period and later, uh, particularly from the Depression, which I I know my parents lived through the Depression. It was an awful time, a time when at the end of the year you really wanted you had reason to be thankful. Um, uh, But but I guess what I'm trying to suggest here, and I do this in my book, is to suggest that these simple little gestures that we're talking about and you're asking me about have really have deep meaning related to gift giving, um, uh, the the, the idea of it being a very delicate transition period. We're all vulnerable. We have to safeguard ourselves. We have to hope for the best and, and act in a way such we hope for the best.
0: Yeah. And part of the conversation that we had earlier was that sometimes gift giving isn't about the physical gift. It's about bringing joy to another person. And something that comes to mind when I think about that is Christmas carolers, people who go around and just want to sing. And, and of course, I mean, any time you hear music, it, it, it brings happiness and, and joy to a lot of people. So when did that all start?
1: Well, Christmas carols go back quite a way. Well, of course, kissing under the mistletoe, that's that's good luck mistletoe again being green Mm. the caroling i think is intended to spread the spread the joy that's going to come after the new year in other words it looks even farther forward the idea being that uh, uh, we know that the joy is to come and we're bringing it to you early we're starting it now you're going to you're going to hear about it now on the eve of christmas so it's a kind of an anticipatory thing. It became popular actually during the um, during the Norman Conquest uh, is when it started in the 11th century when groups of singers would go around the neighborhood heralding the heavenly birth. So it was a, a Christian uh, uh, ritual. All the comfort. Yeah, as I said, all the comfort and joy that will follow in its wake. In other words, when Christ uh, emerges as the light, we already can feel that joy Uh, And then, of course, the chilled carolers would be invited in and rewarded with a cup of cheer and a snack. Uh, I think it all testifies to the general goodwill, you know, that attaches itself to this this communal season that we're celebrating, that most of us are celebrating at this time of year. Sing along atmosphere, of course, that's conducive to the sing along. Uh, You listen to it and then you want to you want to do it as well. Our ears are saluted with the dissonant screaming of Christmas carols. Well, that's uh, that's Scrooge. If you're watching him, Scrooge,
0: Scrooge is the worst. Scrooge is not welcome in any anybody's household. Get him out. Um, well,
1: where, where there's God, there's the devil. That's you right. The antagonistic force. And, to with respond that,
0: to. and without that antagonist, sometimes you don't appreciate the protagonist as much. Exactly. So it sheds light on on the goodness.
1: Exactly, good. <laughs> um, That's a good one.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. You don't need me. <laughs> no, you're you're bringing this out of me. So you're you're. I, I need you is essentially what, what I'm saying. <laughs> um, all right, so then I'm, we could go all day long on some of these traditions. There are so many things like gingerbread houses and all of that. You know that I could talk about, but unfortunately, we don't have too much time so just uh, to wrap things up what do you think well maybe i should ask you what's your favorite holiday tradition
1: uh well I, I think the new year is is mine because it means so much to what we learn from the study of time what goes around comes around we tend to keep our calendar you know in a linear way uh, the 1492 happened it's never going to happen again neither is 2021 mm-hmm. but uh, in most of the cultures of the world it uh, It is the year and it is about renewal uh, that that uh, we're celebrating. And, uh, you know, people as remote from us as the Aztecs did it. They had a new fire ceremony where at the end of the year they would all go out with their uh, pine sticks uh, and come to the central fire that was built in the heart of the city. And they would take that pine stick back to their huts where they will have destroyed all of their dishware for the year because they're going to start all over again, including a new, a new fire. And they would then use that pine stick to kindle the fire in the heart and start all over again. So new years, whether it's for me or the Aztecs or the Egyptians or the Romans uh, is really is the holiday of the year uh, tied to Christmas as we know it uh, where, as we say at the end of the day, <laughs> there's going to be another day.
0: That is the truth. Um, Well, I'm glad I got to spend this day with you, Anthony. You've been wonderful. Thank you again. And if anybody who's listening wants to learn more about the origins of some of these holiday traditions, you can check out Anthony's book. It's called The Book of the Year, A Brief History of Our Seasonal Holidays. Anthony, thank you and Happy New Year. Same
1: same to you, Abby. You were vivacious. Thank you for having (laughs) me.
0: Thank you so much. (laughs) If you missed anything from class, these are my office hours, and here are some top takeaways from my conversation with Anthony Avini. Number one, Anthony says that Christmas is all about light. He says an early celebration of Christmas was when the Romans would actually worship the sun god Apollo during the season, and Christians adopted that practice, but instead worshiped Jesus Christ because he is the bearer of light. Number two. Of course, a lot of traditions have a bigger story. Leaving out cookies, for example, for Santa Claus is an exchange to express thankfulness for the presents that are being brought. It was also a way during the Great Depression to show gratitude during a time of struggle. And number three, if you're wondering why there are so many fireworks and lights during New Year's Eve, it's because fire is about purification. You're purifying the last year and setting up for the upcoming year. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Root of Holiday Traditions. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Fast dismissed.